Hi, everyone. It's Criminal Injustice. I'm clearly not David Harris. I'm your producer, Josh, dropping in with a few notes to set up the episode we're about to post today. It's a little extra bonus content for the free feed as we're unlocking a premium episode that we put out last year. As you may know, Dave has been putting out a series of presidential candidate profiles, looking at the candidates and their rhetoric and their records on criminal justice. Certainly, this is relevant to everyone in the field, really anybody seeking public office. But we felt that one candidate in particular was deeply and maybe uniquely implicated in matters of race, policing and justice, the core concerns of this podcast. Obviously, we're talking about Michael Bloomberg, whose stop and frisk policy made him an intensely polarizing figure during his time as New York City mayor. So much so that Dave wanted to make a point of including Bloomberg in the presidential candidate profile series way back in the fall before Bloomberg had even formally launched his campaign. Now, to set it up a bit, this episode went out on November 17th, 2019 to our Patreon feed. It is important to understand the timeline here. Just before Bloomberg announced he was jumping into the race, he did offer an apology for stop and frisk in which he said he didn't didn't realize the impact it was having on the lives of black and Latino New Yorkers and said that he couldn't change history, but uh, understood that that was the wrong policy. Well, the episode you're about to hear went out to our Patreon supporters the same day as that apology. It was actually recorded the day before, so that's why you won't hear Dave make any reference to an apology. Uh, But since that statement went out, Bloomberg has been very busy as a presidential candidate. He spent hundreds of millions of dollars on ads, on staffing, at the same time has been all but absent from the campaign trail, making very few public appearances and giving no sit-down interviews with journalists. And what that means is that until pretty recently, Bloomberg has been mostly able to avoid questions about the racial dimension of stop and frisk and how he understood that issue at the time he was championing it as New York mayor. Instead, what we have been getting are past statements made by Bloomberg on the subject, which have been resurfacing. And these are pretty revealing, especially if you're not from New York and maybe unfamiliar with this side of the candidate. There was the time in 2013 when Bloomberg said that, if anything, police, and this is a direct quote, disproportionately stop whites too much and minorities too little. And then there was this talk that Bloomberg gave in 2015 at the Aspen Institute. 95% of your murders and murderers and murder victims fit one MO. You can just take the description, Xerox it, and pass it out to all the cops. They are male minorities that that's true in New York, it's true in virtually every city. And that's where the real crime is. You've got to get the guns out of the hands of the people that get killed. So you've got to, if you want to spend the money for a lot of cops in the street, put those cops where the crime is, which means in the minority neighborhoods. So it's one of the unintended consequences is people say, oh my God, you are arresting kids for marijuana that are all minorities. Yes. That's true. Why? Because we put all the cops in the minority neighborhoods. Yes, that's true. Why do we do it? Because that's where all the crime is. And the way you get the guns out of the kids' hands is uh, to throw them against the wall and frisk them. And then they start, they say, oh, I don't want that. I don't want to get caught. So they don't bring the gun. They still have a gun, but they leave it at home. So that audio was released in the past week. Meanwhile, Bloomberg is more publicly campaigning for president. And as a result, he's now being pressed on his views 
about the relationship between race, crime, and policing. That came up in an appearance he made Thursday in Houston. Here's how Bloomberg responded to a reporter's question. Why did you say what you said in that 2015 speech? Um, I don't think those words reflect what, uh, how I led the most diverse city in the nation. And uh, I apologized for the uh, practice and the pain that it caused. But why did uh, but you say it? It was uh, five years ago. And, um, you know, it's just not the way that I think. So here we are. Michael Bloomberg's record is getting some real scrutiny now, maybe for the first time in the context of his presidential campaign. So we thought this would be a timely occasion to re-release Dave's profile to the free feed so that all of our listeners can hear it. What you're going to hear is a pretty good encapsulation of Mike Bloomberg's time in office as New York mayor uh, with respect to race and criminal justice, the issues and events that that defined that administration. We hope you'll enjoy it. And if you do, we hope you'll consider becoming a member at patreon.com slash criminal injustice. If you do, you'll get access to more bonus content just like this including profiles of all the other presidential contenders. That's all at patreon.com slash criminal injustice and available to members for as little as $5 a month. That's the plug. Now, here's Dave. Hi, everyone. David Harris here with you for Criminal Injustice with some premium content. For members only, we're doing pieces on all of the presidential candidates' criminal justice platforms. You know, we've done quite a few of these already. Well, I've got a little bit of an oddball one for you today because over the weekend of November 9th and 10th, reports serviced that former mayor of New York, Michael Bloomberg, three-term mayor, he was considering running for president. He's not satisfied with the Democratic field, doesn't know uh, who among the candidates, if anyone, would be able to beat Donald Trump, and he's pretty convinced that he might be the guy. So he's thinking seriously about jumping in. Now, you may remember that last year, or maybe it was last spring of 2019, Mr. Bloomberg said something pretty similar. He's considering reports leaked out. He's got his consultants, etc., etc. But ultimately, he decided there's no path forward for me toward the Democratic nomination that I think uh, will work. And he decided to give it a rest and give up. Well, now he says he's alarmed. The field is too weak. The main thing is to beat Trump, so on and so forth. Well, why talk about him if he hasn't even made a final decision? It's because, well, our lane is, of course, criminal justice. And this person, Michael Bloomberg, would bring two important things to any candidacy. One is his three terms as a mayor, and by most accounts, he was a very competent manager, a kind of technocrat. He handled both the day-to-day and the emergencies. Not everybody loved him, but he did a reasonably good job, uh, and he's a longtime successful billionaire business executive, of course, too. And there's that. But here's the other thing, and this really gets to where we talk about things. Mr. Bloomberg has a very considerable criminal justice, not policy, not platform, but record. Yes, he does. And this is really something that has to be talked about 
in the event that Bloomberg gets in as a candidate. So no platform, but plenty to discuss. Here's the background. Bloomberg became mayor uh, after Rudolph Giuliani left office uh, in uh, the wake of the 2001 terrorist attacks. You remember that. Bloomberg served three terms. Now, one of the things that the Giuliani administration was famous for was crime going down, and he would tell you right up until today that one of the major considerations, the major ways this was done, was through uh, intensive use of what's called stop and frisk. People stopped on the street, questioned by the police, and then frisked for weapons if Uh, There is a reason to do that. That's a legitimate police tactic sanctioned by the Supreme Court, but under Giuliani, it seemed to really ramp up. And they were not shy about it. They put it in their written online criminal justice policies as soon as Giuliani took office. Giuliani gave a lot of credit to stop and frisk, intensive stop and frisk, I should say, uh, as part of what helped him bring crime down in New York. Now, that would have to be a whole separate discussion, what actually happened in New York and how much credit or blame does Giuliani get. But let's not go there. At the end of Giuliani's term, stops and frisk were running at about 100,000. 110,000 a year. And that was considered stratospheric. That was considered high pressure. That was a lot. And when it came out, when it was studied at the end of the 90s and those kind of numbers came out, lots of people said, wow, that that really does seem like a lot. Um, Well, along comes Bloomberg as the new mayor. He reappoints as his NYPD commissioner, Ray Kelly, a person who had been in that chair before. And together, they more than double down on stop and frisk in New York City. How do they more than double down? Well, if we start in the beginning of the Bloomberg administration with about 100, 110,000 stops and frisks a year, by 2011, into his third term, stops and frisks were reaching nearly 700,000 per year. That's right, 700,000. So something like six to seven times the number of stops and frisks that we had seen under Giuliani at the highest point, which we thought was quite high. And this was so intense. This The, the pressure on communities became so intense and they became so disturbed by this. And when I say communities, I mean communities of color that eventually a lawsuit was filed. A federal lawsuit was filed to try to stop this activity, saying that it was basically in violation of the Fourth Amendment, the search and seizure provisions of the U.S. Constitution, and that it amounted to racial profiling. Now, as I said earlier, the Constitution, the Supreme Court, has permitted stops and frisks, but there are rules for it. There are definitely rules for it. There has to be reasonable, articulable, fact-based suspicion that uh, the person under observation is involved in some kind of crime in order for police officers to temporarily detain. That's what a stop is, a temporary detention. Uh, And there has to be reasonable suspicion that the person is carrying a weapon to allow a frisk, a pat-down of the outer clothing only for weapons. So there are rules for it. 
But Bloomberg and Kelly seem to take this to the next level and then the next level again. And then pretty soon we're up to almost 700,000 stops and frisks a year. Uh, Now, here's what happened. That lawsuit worked its way through the federal court system. The city always thought, I think, that the federal judge would dismiss it at some point uh, and just get rid of it. Well, that didn't happen. And when it became fairly obvious that the case was really going to trial, which it did in the year 2013, when that became obvious, Bloomberg and Kelly, but Bloomberg especially, went on the offensive. He said in an op-ed with uh, Commissioner Kelly in one of the big New York papers, I think the New York Times, that if the federal judge uh, had the temerity to stop, stop and frisk, uh, which of course she couldn't entirely do because it's legal, but if she interfered with the city's stop and frisk policy, blood would run in the streets. Uh, uh, Kelly and Bloomberg attributed to stop and frisk uh, the the prevention of hundreds, they gave a number, and I can't, I couldn't find it, maybe at 600, something like that, of murders that did not happen in New York because of stop and frisk. Now, that is really something. Uh, that is attributing direct cause to something that might have a correlative effect, but uh, we just wouldn't have known that at the time. More about that in just a minute. But these guys, Bloomberg in the lead, were all over this. If this judge does this, blood will run in the streets, essentially. I'm paraphrasing here a little bit. So what happens? The judge gets the case, hears the testimony, considers the evidence, and says, guess what? Stop and frisk is perfectly legal, but not in the way that the New York City police have been doing it. And therefore, they're going to stop doing it the way they're doing it. They're going to do it legally uh, uh, from this point forward. And she prescribes, the judge does, a whole bunch of steps and changes that will happen. Well, you would have thought that Mayor Bloomberg had seen the apocalypse. Uh, Let me give you just a little bit of what he said when he learned of the federal court decision. Bloomberg held a news conference uh, after the judge's decision. Uh, It was covered by the New York Daily News, and in an article on August 16, 2013, uh, Bloomberg is quoted as calling the judge, quote, some woman who knows, quote, zero about police work. Here's a long quote from him again. Think about this judge on stop and frisk. What does she know about policing? Absolutely zero, close quote. And he goes on to say to New Yorkers, quote, your safety and the safety of your kids is now in the hands of some woman who does not have the expertise to do it. And he predicted that the city was going to become unsafe, that murders and other crime would surge, that the city would, quote, suffer. Well, uh, here we are uh, some years later. Um, For those who didn't follow this perhaps as closely as I did, and I don't know how many people there would be out there uh, who could fit that description, um, there are um, things to know now. Uh, Bloomberg and Kelly had some inkling uh, 
that stop and frisk was going to be challenged successfully in the court. And once the judge decided not to throw the case out and had the case heading for trial, uh, we learned later that they'd actually been ramping down stop and frisk at least just a little from the high of 700,000 in 2011. Um, but once it was ordered to stop and blood was going to run into the streets, uh, what happened? Well, Bloomberg's term ended. Uh, before it ended, uh, the city filed an appeal with the Second Circuit Court of Appeals, uh, and a new mayor was elected uh, to come in at the end of the year. That was, of course, Bill de Blasio, who still serves today. Uh, and we now have some data on stop and frisk, uh, how it has proceeded under de Blasio. And in brief, I can tell you this. Um, it is down, down, down. It went down by hundreds of thousands of stops and frisks uh, to the point where it was around 20,000 a year. You're hearing that from 700,000 almost to about 20,000. And one report I saw recently in 2019 indicates that the yearly total is about 10,000 stops and frisks a year, the levels we saw at the beginning of the Giuliani administration before Giuliani and his allies ramped it all up. So what's happened? Well, in the years since Bloomberg left office, crime has continued to go down. Crime is at historically low levels and has continued to drop. Serious crime, too. Homicide, too. So listen, Mayor Bloomberg, if you decide to run for president, I think you should anticipate questions about your use and advocacy and claims on stop and frisk uh, in the criminal justice sphere. It would only be fair. This has been a topic of debate and discussion between the presidential candidates at every level. Uh, President Donald Trump has famously weighed in with uh, efforts to be tougher and even proposed we need more stop and frisks like there used to be in New York because that would make things safer. Well, we know he likes to ignore the data. The question will be, do you like to ignore the data? You became famous and wealthy uh, with the Bloomberg data terminals, financial data provision for people in the finance industry to make big money. You were a technocratic mayor, a person who famously relied on data to make decisions, do the right things for New Yorkers. Will you admit at any point, I wonder, that the data do not support, did not support your claims that stop and frisk the way that you put it to use that was found unconstitutional by a federal judge? Will you ever admit the data did not support the idea that this made the city safe all by itself. How do we know when it was de-emphasized to the point of reasonableness, well under 50, 30, even 20,000 a year, crime stayed low, even dropped further, no blood running in the streets. So, Mr. Bloomberg, should you decide to run for president, should you actually push that button... I could 
only quote the famous political philosopher Ricky Ricardo. You will have some splaining to do. I wonder what you'll say. That is premium content for our members, the possibility of a Michael Bloomberg candidacy and his record on criminal justice issues. That's it for now. I am David Harris. I'll be back with you next time. Criminal Injustice is written by David Harris, produced by Josh Rollerson, and supported by listener contributions. Find past episodes, show notes, and much more at criminalinjusticepodcast.com.